0: I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, slow, quiet stories to help you fall asleep. I want to give a big thank you to Sarah for joining the Patreon this week. By signing up for the Patreon, you're helping me live my dream of being a storyteller for a living, and you get some fun perks, like the podcast A Day Early comes out on Friday instead of Saturday. And you get a version of it that doesn't include the introduction or any advertisements. That's just $1 a month over at patreon.com slash listen to sleep. There's a link in the show notes. Thank you so much to all of you who have written me recently to just check in, see how I'm doing, and to let me know that the podcast is helping you sleep during what's been a difficult time for a lot of us. It makes me really happy, and I just wanted you to know that your messages really make my day, so thank you. Tonight, I'm reading a fairy tale by the Comte de Caylus, someone I haven't read a story from before. This one is called Fairy Gifts, and it's a sweet, sweet tale. First, Let's take a deep breath. Let it out. Can you feel your back laying against the bed? And see if you can feel the inside of your hands. What does that feel like? Do you notice, as you feel it, that your brain calms down a little? What about the inside of your arms? Can you feel the inside of your legs? The inside of your feet? Take another deep breath. let it out. (sighs) Now just relax as I read to you. If you get sleepy and nod off, that's okay. Fairy Gifts It generally happens that people's surroundings reflect more or less accurately their minds and dispositions, So perhaps that is why the Flower Fairy lived in a lovely palace, with the most delightful garden you can imagine, full of flowers, and trees, and fountains, and fish ponds, and everything nice. For the Fairy herself was so kind and charming that everybody loved her, and all the young princes... And princesses who formed her court were as happy as the day was long, simply because they were near her. They came to her when they were quite tiny and never left her until they were grown up and had to go away into the great world. And when that time came, she gave to each whatever gift he asked of her but it is chiefly of the Princess Sylvia that you are going to hear now. The fairy loved her with all her heart, for she was at once original and gentle, and she had nearly reached the age at which the gifts were generally bestowed. However, the fairy had a great wish to know how the other princesses who had grown up and left her were prospering, And before the time came for Sylvia to go herself, she resolved to send her to some of them. So one day her chariot, drawn by butterflies, was made ready, and the fairy said, Sylvia, I am going to send you to the court of Iris. She will receive you with pleasure for my sake as well as for your own. In two months you may come back to me again, and I shall expect you to tell me what you think of her. Sylvia was very unwilling to go away, but as the fairy wished it, she said nothing. Only when the two months were over, she stepped joyfully into the butterfly chariot and could not get back quickly enough to the flower fairy, who, for her part, was equally delighted to see her again. Now, child, said she, tell me what impression you have received. You sent me, madam, answered Sylvia, to the court of Iris, on whom you had bestowed the gift of beauty. She never tells anyone, however, that it was your gift, though she often speaks of your kindness in general. It seemed to me that her loveliness, which fairly dazzled me at first, had absolutely deprived her of the use of any of her other gifts or graces. In allowing herself to be seen, she appeared to think that she was doing all that could possibly be required of her. But unfortunately, while I was still with her, she became seriously ill, and though she presently recovered, her beauty is entirely gone so that she hates the very sight of herself, and is in despair. She entreated me to tell you what had happened, and to beg you, in pity, to give her her beauty back. And indeed, she does need it terribly, for all the things in her that were tolerable, and even agreeable, when she was so pretty, seem quite different now that she is ugly, and it is so long since she thought of using her mind or her natural cleverness that I really don't think she has any left now. She is quite aware of all this herself, so you may imagine how unhappy she is, and how earnestly she begs for your aid. You have told me what I wanted to know, cried the fairy, but alas— I cannot help her. My gifts can be given but once. Some time passed in all the usual delights of the flower fairy's palace, and then she sent for Sylvia again, and told her she was to stay for a little while with the princess Daphne, and accordingly the butterflies whisked her off and set her down in quite a strange kingdom. But... She had only been there a very little time, before a wandering butterfly brought a message from her to the fairy, begging that she might be sent for as soon as possible, and before very long she was allowed to return. "'Ah, madam,' cried she, "'what a place you sent me to that time!' "'Why, what was the matter?' asked the fairy." Daphne was one of the princesses who asked for the gift of eloquence, if I remember correctly. And very ill the gift of eloquence becomes her, replied Sylvia, with an air of conviction. It is true that she speaks well, and her expressions are well chosen. But then she never leaves off talking, and though at first one may be amused— one ends by being wearied to death. Above all things, she loves any assembly for settling the affairs of her kingdom, for on those occasions she can talk and talk without fear of interruption. But even then, the moment it is over, she is ready to begin again about anything or nothing. As the case may be, Oh, how glad I was to come away, I cannot tell you. The fairy smiled at Sylvia's unfeigned disgust at her late experience, and after allowing her a little time to recover, she sent her to the court of the princess Cynthia, where she lived for three months. At the end of that time, Sylvia came back to her with all the joy and contentment "'that one feels at being once more beside a dear friend. "'The fairy, as usual, was anxious to hear what she thought of Cynthia, "'who had always been amiable, "'and to whom she had given the gift of pleasing. "'I thought at first, said Sylvia, "'that she must be the happiest princess in the world. "'She had a thousand lovers.' who vied with one another in their efforts to please and gratify her. Indeed, I had nearly decided that I would ask a similar gift. Have you altered your mind, then? interrupted the fairy. Yes, indeed, madam, replied Sylvia, and I will tell you why. The longer I stayed, the more I saw that Cynthia was not really happy. In her desire to please everyone, she ceased to be sincere and degenerated into a mere coquette, and even her lovers felt that the charms and fascinations which were exercised upon all who approached her without distinction were valueless, so that in the end they ceased to care for them and went away disdainfully. I am pleased with you, child, said the fairy. Enjoy yourself here for a while, and presently you shall go to Felida. Sylvia was glad to have leisure to think, for she could not make up her mind at all what she should ask for herself, and the time was drawing very near. However, before very long, the fairy sent her to Felida and waited for her report with unabated interest. I reached her court safely, said Sylvia, and she received me with much kindness, and immediately began to exercise upon me that brilliant wit which you had bestowed upon her. I confess that I was fascinated by it, and for a week thought that nothing could be more desirable The time passed like magic, so great was the charm of her society. But I ended by ceasing to covet that gift more than any of the others I have seen, for, like the gift of pleasing, it cannot really give satisfaction. By degrees, I wearied of what had so delighted me at first especially as I perceived more and more plainly that it is impossible to be constantly smart and amusing without being frequently ill-natured and too apt to turn all things, even the most serious, into mere occasions for a brilliant jest. The fairy, in her heart, agreed with Sylvia's conclusions and felt pleased with herself, for having brought her up so well. But now the time was come for Sylvia to receive her gift, and all her companions were assembled. The fairy stood in the midst, and in the usual manner asked what she would take with her into the great world. Sylvia paused for a moment, and then answered. A quiet spirit and the fairy granted her request. This lovely gift makes life a constant happiness to its possessor, and to all who are brought into contact with her. She has all the beauty of gentleness and contentment in her sweet face, and if at times it seems less lovely through some chance grief or disquietude, the hardest thing that one ever hears said is, Sylvia's dear face is pale today. It grieves one to see her so. And when, on the contrary, she is gay and joyful, the sunshine of her presence rejoices all who have the happiness of being near her. Good night.